0: Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethomason.com. Amen, amen. You may be seated. God bless you. I submit to you this morning that the only hope that you and I have as men and women, boys and girls, as a church, is the hope found in this book because it's full of narratives it's full of narratives of stories of men and women just like you and I everyday common people people that are trying to get through life people that are struggling people that are hurting people that are desperate and in fact you take your favorite psalm you take your favorite proverb you take your favorite verse or your favorite Bible story and you look into that story you will find the same thing over and over and again that in those times of great uncertainty great truths came out of it every Psalm, you look at Psalm 51 a desperate time for a king who wrote the brokenness that he had been through and the restoration he was pleading for, it was a time of great uncertainty Yet I submit to you that every single one of those surveys of of scriptures of, of Proverbs, of Psalms of narratives, of Bible stories, God was there. It was birthed out of great uncertainty, yet God was not only there. Hear me, church. He wasn't ruling from some cosmos location out in the universe in a far galaxy. No, no, no. He was among them. See, he became Emmanuel in the form of Jesus, God incarnate. But then he would never leave us, he would never forsake us, and the Holy Spirit abides in our heart, tabernacles among us. That he's actively, hear me, that he's actively involved in the unfoldings of not only the circumstances found in this book, but in the circumstances of your life. You see that you as a mom or a dad, as a teenager, as a youth, as a teacher, as a firefighter, as a doctor, a lawyer, as a church member the only place that you should run is in this book but it's often the last place we go today I I want to unfold a few truths to you with you as we look into this time of communion to see some things that are unfolding right before our very eyes. that This is not a book. Hear me. This is not a book of perfect people who are wealthy at all corners. This is not a book of people who go and get the greatest job in the world on Monday. On Tuesday, get the news they received a promotion. On Wednesday, get the news that they're part owner. On Thursday, they get the news that they've been listed in Forbes, top 100 wealthiest in the the United States. And on Friday and Saturday, they get on their Learjet and fly to some Caribbean island at a place where it's prepared for them only to come back on Sunday and because they had a perfect seamless no problem week singing kumbaya there and back now they're prepared to come into the house of God and give him his word. Can I tell you it's a story contrary to that of broken people, of hurting people, of desperate people, of uncertainty when things are going completely contrary to what you're believing God for and God is in the midst and that's why we give in praise that's why we adore him that's why we come into the house and that's what we have to remember today you take a young man named Joseph uh, listen not talking about just normal sibling rivalry the story was not one of him being locked out of his brother's room or, or borrowing a jacket or a cloak when, it was, when he didn't ask permission or something that you and I deal with no it was a story of a young boy who was stripped of his dignity he was stripped of his clothing he was thrown into a pit and the debate was not over, over whether or not to let him back in the room of the brothers. It was one of, do we sell him into slavery or do we kill him right here? But God was there. And because God was there in that great time of uncertainty, He came out of the pit being the provision, not only for the nation of Egypt, but He also became the provision for the very brothers, the children of Israel who sought to kill Him. God was there. You think of the man Noah. The narrative of Noah. Not just a tough day at work, guys not just a pastor who was struggling to build a church but a man who was given the unsurpassable dilemma to build a boat bigger than anything anybody had ever fathomed for a rain that had never come before never rained a drop. but he had to do it not only do it but he had to do it by himself oh and by the way it had to be big enough to usher two of every kind of animal on the boat talking about uncertainties for 120 years he preached not one convert not one person joined his church not one person said hey now I agree with you I get on the boat but God was there in fact God was a picture of that ark the very thing that would rise above the wrath of God that poured upon this earth and because God was there he became watch this the catalyst for a new world he became the hope for a new world that's where we come from those three brothers or consider a young girl named Mary some 2,000 years ago didn't just experience a tough day at school as a teenager no, no, no at some 13, 14 years of age she was approached by Gabriel to have a son to have a baby despite the fact she was a virgin she would birth through the Holy Spirit of God the Christ child can you imagine the fear in her life the fear in her heart the uncertainty what are people going to say what is Joseph going to say what am I going to tell my friends I'm, I'm with child but yet I'm, I'm, I'm a virgin yet God was with her in fact God was in her and out of that birth the Christ child because the young girl said yes I'll take the challenge or a young no name girl who had a baby and as the narrative unfolds Pharaoh was seeking to kill all the newborn children to destroy the strength of the Israel nation so she had a mother's choice a dilemma, a time of uncertainty and she chose, watch this to take her baby to build a makeshift raft to put him in the Nile crocodile infested waters rather than have him face the death squads of Pharaoh's army God was there, sent his own Pharaoh's daughter to pick up that child and to go and grab that mother to come into the story and nurse her child and be the mother of her own child. They named him Moses. He became the deliverer of people. I remember that bleak and lowly night, a man named Jesus who gathered in a room, a borrowed room with 12 of his innermost lovable disciples and he began to tell them of a story an unfolding of a meal that would commemorate not only the Passover meal that started in the Exodus but that night that would truly epitomize his life and his death through the bread which represented his body that would be broken and the cup which would represent the wrath of God that he would have to drink in his precious blood that would become the new covenant, the grace, the unmerited favor. But God was with him. And on that night as we see the unfoldings of that great meal we know it also that what he did that night pleased God. Today, we've come to a point in our life where I submit to you that we're full of the most uncertainties that I've ever seen in my lifetime. Children are not safe to go to schools. Single mothers in 2013 have surpassed married moms. It's not the way it should be. Church has become a sounding board for here do it my way or if you don't do it my way you're wrong or, or, or some prosperity message that, that doesn't even suggest that we're going to go through difficult times politicians being sold out more so than ever before bringing things to the table that are contrary to the constitution of the United States of America we live in desperate times but God is here God is among us Today, I want to challenge you to go beyond the mundane of taking a piece of cracker, a piece of bread, a matzah, and taking a cup and turning down an ounce of juice and step over into truly remembering that Jesus paid it all, that he died for you. If you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn with me real quick. I'm going to give you three quick, profound reasons that we take the Lord's Supper. Matthew chapter 26 is our text. I'm going to read just four verses. I hope you have your Bible with you today because I said before it's man's hope to a uncontrollable uncertain world. this is where we run. this is where we go. if you have yours on an electronic Bible, that's not a problem just run to it it's all good. Matthew chapter 26 I want to read a few verses and starting in verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it. And he gave it unto the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, and he gave thanks, underscore that, and gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, Ah, Jesus said, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine. From now until that day, when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Speaking, of course, of the marriage supper of the land. When you and I drink with him as his bride at the consummation of the marriage relationship. Verse 30 in closing. And when they had sang a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Father, in the name of Jesus today, I pray that you would help me to unfold these simple but profound truths. To help us truly remember and to put our hands on what it is that we're doing, why we're doing it, and who we're doing it for. We pray that you would help me today to rightly divide your word of truth. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said amen. Number one, taking of the Lord's Supper gives me my identity. There are only two sacraments in the entire word of God that you and I are supposed to adhere to and keep. One, of course, is baptism. It gives us our identity to know that we are baptized. Watch this. That we are dead in our sins and our trespasses, not washed by the water, hear me, but by the water of the Word of God. It is a metaphor. It is a symbolic gesture that we identify ourselves as Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River to picture going down in the ground as death being resurrected in the newness of life. That's number one. We are, we are identified by the baptism. That's why we do it. Mark, why don't we we go fully underwater? Why don't we just sprinkle? Because God has not called us to dabble in who he is, but to be completely baptizo, Greek word meaning to be submerged, to be fully encompassed about with who he is, what his will is for our life. He doesn't want to just little dabba do you. He wants you to be fully engulfed in who he is. We do it because of our identity the Lord's Supper as you read and you don't have to turn there First Corinthians chapter 10 verses 17 and following the apostle Paul said this and listen very carefully he said for we though many are one bread and one body for we all partake of that one bread observe Israel after the flesh are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of that altar verse 19 what am I saying then that an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything but rather, verse 20 that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice listen, they sacrifice it to demons and not to God I do not want you to have fellowship with demons verse 21 and ending you cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons at the same time you cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons whose cup are you drinking from today? Whose table are you seated at today? Whose bread are you eating of today? Because the reality is, is you cannot serve both the world and Christ. You can't serve and eat from both demons and both of God. The reality is you, you and I have to make a choice in whom we're eating from, at whose table we're sitting. You say, why does that matter? Because I think you have to understand for thousands of years and very predominant at this time when this is written but even through today in Middle Eastern cultures eating a Jewish meal or any Middle Eastern meal was not just about sitting down like you and I and just feeding our faces and stuffing our bodies full to the fact of overcapacity it was about reconciliation it was about sitting down to a meal and reconciling things back to its original state in fact, if you follow the story in Daniel of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it wasn't just because they wouldn't bow down to some music or some image. It was, that was only one part of it remember, they would not eat from the king's table. Why? Because they were too good for that? No, no, no. Because the king was offering up strange bread and strange meat and strange wine that had been offered to idols. And God said, don't eat of that. That's dirty. It's unclean. In fact, if you follow the narrative of times of uncertainty in those four men's life who happened to be Jewish men in a Babylonian world and they were elevated to a height of purpose and even under a pagan king. And they said, you know what? I'm not only going my I'm not going to bow down to your false gods not only am I not going to stop and worship you Nebuchadnezzar when the music plays but guess what I'm not eating from your table because I'm eating from the Lord's table and the Bible says they were more healthy and grew to greater stature not because they were eating some food it was because they purposed in their heart that their identity would be based in who he was and not who the world said they were in fact the night that we're commemorating We call the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. You remember that night? That there was more going on than just eating a piece of bread and drinking some wine. You remember Jesus did what would have been customary in that culture by the lowest of low servants who would have come in and washed the feet of those before they entered into the table. And you recall the story. Jesus went and pulled up a little stool and he got a basin of water and a towel perhaps his own clothing and he began to sit down and wash the disciples feet one by one peter said god you're not going to do that to me i'm not worthy for you to wash my feet i would be rather off better off washing your feet remember what he told him he said peter if you don't allow me to wash your feet you can have no part of me because it was a stirring of reconciliation you know what Peter came back and said? Well, then not my feet only, wash my head and my body, my hands, my feet. Wash me thoroughly, wash me completely. Submerge me in this reconciliation message that you're talking about. See, I want to be identified with the new covenant of grace offered by Jesus Christ. I want that to be my identity. I want my identity to be driven out of what Jesus did when he went to that cross. That's what I want God to see in my life. I want my identity to not be a preacher, to not be a husband, to not be a a brother, to not be a father, to not be your pastor. I want my identity, I want my purpose to be situated and rooted in what he's done for me. And my commemoration of that today in remembrance of him situates my identity that the world cannot take from me. You can take a job. You can take a church. You can take a marriage. You can take children. You can take everything that you have in your hand that's tangible or otherwise. You can Your joy can be taken. But let me tell you something, child of the Most High God. Your identity in Christ cannot be taken because it wasn't given by man. It was given under the authority of God because he who knew no sin became your sin that you and I may be made the righteousness of God in him. And that is the basis of my identity. Give him praise in the house. So not only does it situate itself as the basis for my identity, but secondly, it's worth celebrating. Matthew chapter 26, two verses. Hear me. It's worth celebrating. My God, we go to Georgia games, Auburn games, Florida games, Alabama games, Falcons games, Hawks games, Braves games, and man, we shout and we do the wave and we we chop our hands and we do all these things not only as our identity as a fan but we do it to celebrate the team Yeah, we come into church and we fold our arms and say Jesus paid it all but I'm not celebrating that there's something wrong with that picture church let me tell you why I celebrate Matthew 26 says this in verse 27 to 28 and as they were eating Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body now, not the, the true if, uh, real body of, of Jesus, as the, the Roman Catholics would have you to think. is called transubstanti- st- transubstantiation, meaning that when they take of the bread, they believe it physically becomes his real body. We don't do that. We do it by association. We do it as our identity. To know that when we eat of this bread, that we consume, that we ingest, that we take in the finished work of Jesus Christ and His broken and bruised and defiled body. Perfect, sinless, without blemish, Lamb of God. And the Bible says, watch, that when He break that bread... It was also symbolic of his body that would be broken and bruised for our iniquities. Isaiah chapter 53. That when he hung on the cross, Josephus, first century Jerusalem historian, non-Christian said that you could not even identify who he was. He was so bruised and broken. And the Bible says he blessed it. Why? Because his body was the blessed Lamb of God that was about to take away the sins of the world that's worth celebrating but look at verse 28 profound verse 27 I'm sorry then he took the cup and he gave thanks don't look at me look at this check this out he blessed and he broke the bread and he gave it but when he took that cup it says he gave thanks he was thankful he blessed the bread but he gave thanks for the cup Mark I don't follow you I read that a thousand times and I missed that and God showed me this two weeks ago he was pleased to take your place because in that cup lies every single eye that you have left undotted in that cup lies every tea that you have left uncrossed. In that cup lies every act that you didn't ask forgiveness for. In that cup, every negative thought, every lie that you never made a truth, every failure, every commitment that you broke, everything that has ever been done in the form of man or boy or girl or woman or physical leader a Stalin or an Adolf Hitler or a Jeffrey Dahmer or anybody was in that cup. And he said this in the garden later that night. If it be possible, if it be permissible, if there's any way in my humanity, I'm asking you, Father, if there's any way this cup can come by me and keep going and pass from me that I don't have to drink of it, let it be so. And in that millisecond of, if you will, a personal debate in his humanity, then he said, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours. God did not even have to speak a word. He knew the will of the Father because that's why He came. And He took that, that metaphorical cup that contained not some stinking juice, not wine, not grape juice. We debate over what's in the cup. I'll tell you what's in the cup. It was the total annihilation, indignation, hatred towards sin, wrath of a holy God against an unholy people. That's what was in the cup and you're not drinking that today because he drank that in the garden that night and he drank all of it right afterwards he was arrested taken to mock trials humiliated beaten and bruised flesh torn from his skin brokenness carrying your cross your cross down that lonely road, people spat in his face, people pulled hair from his beard, they hit him with rocks, they clubbed him, only thing keeping him alive was his perfect desire to fulfill the will of the Father to go all the way to the cross here's the big point in that, that's my identity, but that is worth celebrating that anything that you have ever come short of by the grace of God Romans 3 and 23 was settled that day on the cross if I were to ask you and I'm not who in here has been dealt with by God according to what is truly due to you not a one If you could raise your hand if that were true you could not physically live and stand what truly is due of you and I. The Bible says in Romans 5 and 8 but God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. Romans 6 and 23 says the wages of sin is death. You want to know what you're truly deserving of? Not a mega church not a great job, not the happiest family, not wealth and all the power and things that you think the world says is greatness. No, no, no. You are deserving of death but the gift of God was eternal life through Christ Jesus that is worth celebrating church that he took my place and he took your place if you're going to clap, clap for him give him praise for he's worthy it's my identity and it is worth celebrating and thirdly and lastly don't miss this take the lord's supper because it's worth remembering it's worthy of my remembrance jesus said do this in remembrance of me first corinthians chapter 11 25b and 26 just listen he said the cup this cup is the new covenant between god and his people an agreement that was confirmed by the blood of Jesus do this and remember me as often as you drink it for every, hear me, for every time that you drink of this, for every time that you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, you are proclaiming you are making an announcement you are making a declaration you are telling the world this is a sermon that you'll preach today, when you come over here to take over the Lord's table you begin to preach a sermon greater than any pastor has ever Priest, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until His return and all who see and all who partake and all who read about and all who know what just took place over here is a proclamation that He died that He got up and that He's coming back and it's worth remembering I say that because I want you to hear me today David if you want to start making your way up to pray listen focus right here for just a moment what you're about to do is not a time that you enter into a a idleness Of just some regimented following the person in front of you and taking of a cup of Welch's grape juice and kicking it back and eating a piece of matzo bread and chewing it down because it's not even enough to tantalize your palate. That is not what time that we're entering into. It is a time where you need to awaken every spiritual sensory motivation in your life and be awakened to what you're truly about to remember. It's a commemoration. Every spiritual receptor that your body will allow you to muster up. Touch, feel, taste, sight, smell. I want to encourage you to awaken it. This is the greatest moment that God can offer you right now to remember. When justice called, remember that mercy answered Remember that what a guilty verdict requires and then remember the judicial rendering that he gave you. Please don't take the misnomer that you're innocent because you're not. You are deemed guilty before a holy God. But when you and I stand before the beam of seat of Christ having received the blood of Jesus in our life and we walk up the guilty verdict has been rendered you're guilty but it just so happens that the one who is your advocate and my advocate is the same one who is sitting on the judgment seat who stands up and says you're guilty but I took your place total exoneration. Pardon not by a governor, not by a mayor not even by the president of the United States. Oh no, no, no. You're guilty. The sin has been counted against you. But you're fully pardoned. Never to be held against you again. That's not the same as innocence. But I want to tell you I want to remember that. I want to remember that whatever the world says I was and what I was going to be and then I want to remember who Jesus says that I am. I don't want to forget who Jesus says that I am my identity is not, and I say this respectfully, church, but my identity is not in who you or this town or anyone says that I am. My identity is in who Jesus says that I am, and I'm a child of the Most High God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, never to go back into a devil's hell, never to be uh, dead again after I die on this earth. I'm going to be awakened into an eternal life, forever to be with Him, and I'm going to sit at that marriage supper of the Lamb, and He's going to grab a cup, not of wrath, but a cup of grace, and He's going going to drink it with me and I'm going to be with him and so shall I ever be with the Lord. That is worth remembering. In closing. On that night that commemoration of his death on a cross 12 men were with him. One in the midst would betray him. One in the midst would deny him three times and curse him the third. One in the midst would doubt him every single time all the way up until the point of his resurrected body he would have to stick his hand literally in the sword wound to touch the holes. He doubted him to the very end. But also in that room that day every single one of those men would abandon him at the greatest moment of their entire walk with him with exception of one man named John the Beloved, who, by the way, was the only one that did not die a martyr's death. Another message for another day. But God was there. He was on the cross with Him. People say, well, He had to turn His back on Him. Oh, no, no, He didn't turn His back on Him. He was God. But what happened was He had to turn His back on the sin that Jesus became but God was there and God was there not worrying he was there with full assurance hear me then I'm going to ask David to pray on that Friday night when all hope was gone the broken and bruised and battered and bloody Savior hung on a cross but God was there with full assurance do you know why? because he knew Sunday was coming he knew that he would get up in three days you see we want a resurrection but you got to understand before they can be a resurrection there has to be a death we want healing but before they can be a healing there has to be a detrimental sickness but we want hope but before we can put our head around what hope really is we got to see hopeless face to face before we can have joy unspeakable We have to be miserable. And before you can ever live in the lively hope as a child of God, is to commemorate this meal in your own life today. Unlike ever before. Don't take this lightly, Christian. When you come up here today, you come up here in a posture of surrender. A posture of who your identity lies, a posture of celebration inside of your heart, and a posture of remembering that He did not forget you when He hung on the cross. God, help me not forget Him today. I want to close with this. Close your eyes. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul in that same chapter 11, 1 Corinthians. He says, for every time that you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone that eats of this bread and drinks of this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty against sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ first. If you do, you're eating God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many are weak and many are sick among you. Listen, verse 31. But let each man examine himself. Quit worrying about what your neighbor does or doesn't do. Judge yourself today. Biggest question you'll ever answer right now. Every head bowed and every eyes closed. Do you know that you know that you know that you know that if you died right now that you spent eternity in heaven? If you know it to be certain, no one looking around, lift your hand up right now. Lift it up high. If you know for certain. Okay, put your hands down. Some hands did not go up right now. No more thought. No more processing. Receiving in faith right now. Right now. Receiving faith. The finished work of the cross. Pray with me. In faith from your heart to God. Father in heaven. I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus Christ. and the finished work on the cross. Today. I ask you Lord to forgive me all my sin help me deliver you save me and become the Lord of my life every head bowed and every eye closed if you pray that prayer today in faith I want you right now without hesitation to lift your hand up I prayed and ask Jesus in my heart don't you dare be ashamed God bless you sir hold it up God bless you sir God bless you sir anybody else hold it up real quickly real quickly don't, don't debate it God bless you God bless you Here's what I want to do. I want to ask a couple of guys. Who I know being to... Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethompson.com.